Unity Community of Central Oregon's podcast featuring Reverend Jane Hyatt. We're starting the series on the hero's journey and the power of myth because we are all always on a hero's journey. But there are stages to the hero's journey and we're at different stages. And we tend to get stuck. Some parts maybe are easy-ish for us along the way, but then there are other parts where we get stuck and we're not sure. And if we realize that this is part of the hero's journey, then we can put it in a context that is comforting to us. So in the song where he says, don't cry anymore, you'll have peace when this is done. At the point that we are at, we often are not experiencing peace. But if we can put it in the context and realize, oh, it's this stage that we're in, and if we just keep moving forward, we will reach the place in our consciousness where we have peace. And because it's a place in our consciousness, it isn't bound by time. So that doesn't mean like, all right, well, it's awful right now, but you can have peace in a year. No, you can have peace right now, but you have to make that trip in your consciousness in order to find it. You have to keep carrying on carry on my wayward son, we all have a tendency to drift to the side and we have to get ourselves back on the path of our truth. It's like, I know you've heard the thing about traveling to the moon and how they're never going in a straight line. They're always going one side or the other and having to just keep drifting, keep coming back, keep coming back, keep coming back. And that's how it is. No matter how many times we make resolutions and say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And then we do something slightly different and we have to come back again. And it's always that getting on the path. Myth is really powerful. It's powerful, powerful. And it's all through every culture that is. Now, probably like me, you grew up thinking, okay, the Greeks have myths, the Egyptians had myths, the Native Americans have myths, you know, you name it, they have myths, but the Bible, that's the truth. Uh -uh. (laughs) Not the truth in the sense of history. It's mythology. That's something way more important than historical fact. Even historical fact, as we, we've all lived long enough to know that some of the things that we were taught were historical fact were, well, that was one person's perspective or one group's perspective. Like the ones that won. It was their perspective, their story but somebody else had a completely different story that was equally true. So, 
historical fact is not all it's cracked up to be anyway. But the Bible, I mean, it might be sprinkled with some historical facts. I'm not going to say there's nothing in there that isn't true. Maybe something is true. But primarily, it's sacred story. It's mythology. And myth does not mean not true. Like you read, is this a fact or is this a myth? That's not what it talk, it's talking about with mythology. Mythology means we're working in the realm of the subconscious, where we are all connected to one another and to all that is. And we speak in story because our subconscious mind works with image, with color, with emotion, with story. That's what works. So like when I'm doing hypnosis with people, I don't, I don't say, you will eat well, you will eat well, you will eat well, you will eat well. That doesn't do anything. <laughs> you may have noticed that yourself. Have you ever given yourself that lecture and then went straight out to ignore it? Yes, of course, we all have. <laughs> Everybody in this room has done that. And if you haven't done it about eating well, you've done it about something else. Because our subconscious minds are where that message has to be planted, and our subconscious minds don't speak English or whatever your language is. They don't speak that, that fact, that literal sentence. They speak in story. They speak in image in emotion. So if we talk about Dorothy setting out and she's caught up in this twister and lands in a completely new place where she doesn't know what, where she is or what's going to happen, suddenly we're all with her because we all know that feeling. It doesn't matter if we've been in a literal tornado before. We have all had our versions of life just suddenly picked us up and tossed us somewhere completely new. Whether it was someone's home burned in a fire, somebody got a diagnosis, somebody that was important in your life died suddenly. You got the ax at your work. Whatever it is, those things happen in our lives. Those are our global twisters that just change everything for us. And so we relate to Dorothy when suddenly she's picked up by a force that is completely outside her control and landed somewhere she has no idea. And then the adventure begins. In the song, it was talking about how the voice comes in dreams. The hero's journey begins with a call, and we've all had those calls. As we, as we go through this series for the next 10 weeks, we're going to be going through each stage. And so the first, you know, one stage, you might not be there today, but you've been there at some point. But somewhere along the line, we're going to get to the stage that you are at right now. And hopefully, when we do, that's going to help you to just go, ah, okay. It may not be fun, 
but within the context of the greater journey that I am moving into, the greater self that I am becoming, this, this makes sense. I can hang on. I can carry on. I can be in this place. So we all get the calls, whether it's Harry Potter with the, the owls showing up, dropping the, the letter. You know, it, I mean, every story, every story, you think about it. We get the call, as often as not, we're in the Jonah Club and we say, oh no, 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 not gonna do that. I've got all these good reasons why I'm not gonna do that, whatever the call is. And we head the opposite way. And that doesn't usually work out well, does it? <laughs> so the refusal of the call is uh, the second stage that most of the time we go through until maybe we've had enough experience refusing the call that when it comes we say, all right, I'm just gonna do it, whatever it might be. But at some point, whether because of being forced into it or enough wisdom to say yes, at some point we say yes to the call and then the adventure begins. And we are, given, we are given help. There are always magical helpers that show up. Think about Simpleton who decides, well, he's gonna go out and do this thing, whatever the task was, and get the princess in the end. And he's the one that has enough kindness and compassion that he actually stops and shares his bread with the old guy by the side of the road who turns out to be this magical helper. You know, we've all read those stories, right? There's always some kind of help that shows up. Allies on the path. Even when you take a story like the story of Jesus, it only, these stories only work if you look at them from the point of mythology and metaphysics. They don't work if you think about them literally. They just don't make sense. So in the story of Jesus, he has this experience of baptism where it starts out with, here's John the Baptist who's saying to everybody, repent. Well, what does repent mean? It doesn't mean that what you got drummed into and about, you know, oh, you're a sinner, stop sinning. Repent means turn. Think about it differently. Change. Wake up. So he has this experience of repentance with John where he is immersed suddenly in this higher vision of who he is. Where he realizes he is one with God. He is a son of God. He is of God. And this fuels his entire path forward. And then he begins to collect allies. Now, we've been taught these were disciples, and they always are portrayed in the gospel as these guys that are, like, not that bright. You know, they can never figure out what it is he's talking about, but they just kind of follow him around like little ducklings. But the story doesn't make sense. He's, he's brand new at this in the story, He's just had this baptism experience and then, then he goes out on his ministry. Nobody knows who he is. 
and the internet has not been invented. He has no reputation. And he comes up to this place where these guys are fishermen. That's how they make their living. And the next thing you know, they're putting down their nets and they're following after him. How, why would they do that? Why would they do that? That doesn't make sense. And, and insisting on literal details of the stories is what has spoiled religion for a lot of people because they listen to the stories and they say, this makes no sense at all. But what's actually happening, if you look at it metaphysically, is he is coming along and he's collecting allies. He's collecting qualities that he needs. So Charles Fillmore, one of the founders of Unity, talks about the 12 powers. And these are the powers that we need to be fully Christed, which means one with the divine and conscious of it. So the first quality that he finds is Peter, and that represents faith. And Andrew, who represents strength. So if he's going to go out on this journey, this hero's journey to become more than he is, to begin with, he needs faith and he needs strength. And each one of those disciples has another quality, one of those powers. And so as he goes along, he's collecting those. He's becoming amplified, a greater being than he knew he was when he started out. And that is all of our journeys. We probably start out thinking we can do everything while knowing we can hardly do anything. But we have that when we're children. And then as we have more and more struggles, we shrink smaller and smaller. And depending on what kind of affirmation or criticism we got, maybe smaller and smaller. And then as we begin to awaken, it's a process of discovering, wait, wait, that was wrong. Those limits are not truth. And we have to go through the process of finding the allies, finding the parts of ourselves that will allow us to be all of who we are. And we usually have to go through trials. We usually have to face what's called the guardian at the threshold. <clears throat> and these are the people, whether they're, um, you know, like a supervisor that gives us a hard time, or it's, it's per maybe a person in our, our more personal circle, or whatever it is. They're, they're people that are not making it easy for us. Has anybody had that experience? Someone in your life who doesn't make it very easy for you? It's the guardian of the threshold. And you have, to, you have to have the strength to go past that threshold despite that. You have to learn to expand your way of thinking so that the guardian can't keep you back. You can look at it as, oh, how mean that person is. Or you can look at, in order for me to go forward with this in my life, I have to become more because this person <clears throat> is keeping the part of me that I thought was all of me. It's holding me back. 
And as long as I limit myself to being only this much, that guardian will continue to hold me back. But as soon as I begin to see, whoa, I'm more than that. I can just get around. And, and I move forward. But it's not over yet. There's going to be a lot more trials. And in those trials, I'm going to find out really what I'm made of. And in the end, in the end, there's the part where we connect with who it is that however we define the all. In the stories, <clears throat> it might be the wizard. It might be, um, you know, you think of the story, there's always a character who grants the boon, who helps you to step into the fullness of who you are. And then, finally at the end, we have realized who we are. We are, we are so much more than what we thought we were. And now it's our job to go back home, to go back and take the good that we have found and share it as a blessing for others. It's never meant just for us. And if we think that, then we're going to get stuck. And as we go and bring it forward, you know, maybe we just start the cycle again. Like Jonah, what do you mean I'm, gonna, I'm supposed to take this to them? We don't go through the hero's journey once and get finished with it. It's the process of living and awakening. It's like a flower that continues to blossom and it opens more and more and more and more and more. All our lives, we are blossoming. There's always more to us. Wherever we are right now on our journey, there is more to us. We are here in a community to remind each other there is more to you than what you know. That limit that you think is your limit, that is making you feel so sad and scared or mad, or wherever it is that you might be stuck in the moment, that's not your truth. You are so much more. And I'm going to stand here and shine a light for you and remind you of who you are. Maybe there's a way that I can be of service to you as you're moving through this process because I believe in you. That's what spiritual community does for us. That's why we get up on a Sunday morning and come together, even though, oh, bed would be really comfortable or a hike would be lovely. But here we find one another it really isn't just about the song, even though that's a big piece of it. <laughs> it's, it's about how we help one another to move forward into all that we can be. Because that's why we're here. That is why we are here. God is a field of energy, not a person. And this field is continuously expressing more and more. It's, it's not static. It's not like the quilt on the wall. The field is living, breathing, creating, becoming in every moment. 
and it looks like us. And it doesn't just look like the ones that we might think are the smart ones, the enlightened ones, the pretty ones, the rich ones, whatever it is. It doesn't just look like any group. It looks like all of us, all of us becoming in every moment. We are here to be, to vibrate the light of love in every moment. So as we go through this series, pay attention. Pay attention to what is happening in this stage and when have you been in this stage and what stage are you in now and what is asked of you in order for you to move through to the next stage so that all of us may be in a higher vibration together.